0: You're listening to the Make It British podcast. I'm Kate Hills and I'm on a one woman mission to save UK manufacturing. In 2008, I gave up my 20 year career as a fashion buyer because I was disillusioned with how much was being sourced overseas and I set out to uncover some of the amazing businesses that are still making in the UK. Since founding Make It British, I've discovered that there is not only still tons of manufacturing taking place in Britain, but that it's a thriving industry. I invite you to join me each week when I'll be chatting to inspiring British-made brands and UK manufacturers and offering advice to product-based businesses that make in the UK. So with no further ado, let's get on with the show. welcome to episode number 231 of the Make It British podcast. It feels like so long since I last recorded an episode of this podcast. I know I said I'd be back within a couple of weeks and it's actually turned out to be more like six weeks since I last put an episode out. So things just got in the way. Um, I thought I was just going to take a couple of weeks break. At the time, The reason I did was because we were doing a redesign of the Make It British website and well that's what this episode is actually going to be all about. (laughs) You start these jobs and you think they're not going to take that long and actually things go wrong and ends up taking much longer than you planned originally for it to take. So I'm going to talk to you today about what went wrong and how you can make sure that that doesn't happen to you next time you have to do any work on your website or whether you're starting from scratch with a whole new website. Because we weren't even doing that. We were literally just updating the website that we already had. But maybe that was part of the problem because the Make It British website is like 12 years old now and it's a dinosaur. So a couple of things that I want to update you on that are really exciting that are coming up. So the first thing is going to be slightly shaking up the way that I do the Make It British podcast. Now, this is partly because we had a really fantastic guest masterclass with a chap called Ian Anderson Gray a few weeks ago because we do these guest masterclasses with our Make It British members and our British brand accelerator clients, where we get experts in to talk about various different topics. And Ian came in to talk about doing live video. Now, I first knew Ian because I used to do a lot of live video probably about five or six years ago. Some of you may remember, I used to do a weekly live Facebook show which was every Thursday at 1pm. And actually it was really good fun. And I did it with Lauren that worked with me at the time. And then things started getting in the way. And for whatever reason, we stopped doing it. And I got out of the habit of doing it. Isn't that always the way? If you get out of the habit of doing these things, then they just drift away. So we had stopped doing it. And I just forgot how much I actually enjoyed doing live video. And we've done a few... Impromptu live video events over the last couple of years. I've done a few Instagram lives, particularly for Made in UK Day when we did live video all day, and it's just a lot of fun. And what's the best thing about doing live video is that you get to see people's comments in real time. So this masterclass with Ian, e, which is all about how you could do live video to to help to promote your business, got me thinking about. How can we do a regular live Make It British show again? And what platform is best to do that on? Because things have totally changed since we used to do it on Facebook six years ago. And actually, a lot of Make It British audience, you may be one of them, aren't really using Facebook that much anymore. And the problem with Instagram live video is that you can, the comments, they go past too fast on the screen whilst you're trying to interview someone and got all these comments coming up. And especially if you wear glasses like me, you can't read the text. And then it just, and then they just disappear. Once you um, finish the live video and you post it on Instagram, you've lost all those comments. And it just feels really rude. Like people have responded to your live video and you haven't had a chance to respond back. And then you've lost those comments forever. So we wanted to do it on a platform where we could actually have Q&A with people watching in and that we'd actually have be able to see the comments properly. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a live weekly show. Hopefully it's going to be weekly. That is the plan. If I can get enough guests on who are happy to do live video with me, we're going to do it on YouTube. So the Make It British YouTube channel has been a bit underused, but it's a great way to do a good quality live video because the quality of the video is so much better than on something like Instagram, which then means we can then repurpose it into other things. Um, so we're going to start with a live YouTube show at 1pm every Tuesday. At the first one is going to be the 9th of August at 1pm. Now that's Tuesday, the 9th of August at 1pm. So if you can tune in and watch it live, brilliant, because you'll get a chance to ask our guests questions. But if you can't, don't worry, because we're then going to be repurposing that into the podcast interviews that you can listen to. So that then means if you prefer to watch video or listen in you can actually do that with the interviews that we're doing with the guests. So, mark it in your diary. I'm going to put a link in the show notes for this podcast so you can find the Make It British YouTube channel. Subscribe and switch the little bell notification on because then you'll get notifications when we go live. So that's the first piece of news. The second piece of news is we are going to be doing our first live in person event for the first time in three years this October. So the Make It British Forum is back. You may remember it when we did it before. We've done a Make It British Forum in Leicester, Huddersfield, Manchester. Uh, This time round, it's going to be at Hatfield House, which is a fantastic venue. It's a stately home just outside of London, really conveniently located for everyone because you can either come down on the M1 or up on the M1. It's close to Junction. I can't remember, but it's very close to one of the junctions on the M1. It's also right near Hatfield Station, like 10 minutes walk from Hatfield Station. So really easy for everyone to get to because we wanted to make sure wherever we did this next event, it was something that a lot of our audience could get to. We are planning to tour it around the country. We've been having conversations here uh, at Make It British about how regularly we can do in-person events because it's just going to be lovely to get everyone back together again. So it's on Saturday, the 8th of October. There's going to be inspiring speakers. There's going to be practical workshops. It's not just going to be a boring, rigid old conference with all the chairs in a row. We want this to be all about networking, meeting people like you, that are building brands, that are made in the UK. It's going to be a great opportunity to network and get out there and meet other people. So if you would like to come along, of course, there's three months from the day this podcast going out, or well, nearly three months till the actual event. It seems like a long way away. And you may think you're going to leave buying your ticket to the last minute. But I have to say the last three forums we've done completely sold out, every single one of them. And this time round, this venue takes about half the amount of people that we could have in any of the previous forums. We've deliberately kept it like that because we wanted to make it intimate rather than having uh, an event where you don't get to know anyone. So if you are thinking you'd like to come along, I'd highly recommend buying your ticket early so that you don't get disappointed. But what we've also done, because we know to think about spending a lot of money on a ticket right now when it's three months to go, we've broken it up into a payment plan. So you can buy your ticket now and spread the cost of the ticket over three months as well. But you have to book your ticket before the end of July, before the 31st of July, to take advantage of that payment plan. So if you'd like to come, the best place to find out all about the event and to get your ticket is at makeitbritish.co.uk forward slash forum. That's makeitbritish.co.uk forward slash forum, F O R U. M. Okay, now let's get on to the main topic of today's show, which is the six things that you must do when you build or redesign a website for your business. Now, I'm not a web developer, okay? I'm not even a web designer. So, but this is our experience as a business, for what we have learned from doing the Make It British website recently, from redesigning the Make It British website. It wasn't even a rebuild. And I just want to run this past you because everyone has a website. No matter what your business does, like it or hate it, you need a website. It's the place that people come to, even if they find you on social media, even if you sell through social media, they'll still check back at your website. It's like the portfolio for your business. So you need to make sure it represents your brand and your business well. Now, our website is not perfect. I mean, it's not, and it never will be. It's always an ongoing thing with websites, isn't it? I'd even look at it now after we redesigned it a few weeks ago, and I now look at it and think, oh gosh, there's still so much to do with it. It's like an ongoing thing, but it is what it is right now. And it's certainly better, we think, than it was Um, a few weeks before we started. Anyway, enough talk about our website. Let's talk about your website and what you should think about if you are building or redesigning your website, even if you're getting someone else to do it, which you, you may be, if you're getting a web development agency or if you're doing it yourself. These are six important things that you need to think about. Did I say five before? Might have done. Anyway, OK, so there are six things that we learned from rebuilding our website or redesigning our website that I would like to pass on to you so that you don't make the same mistakes that we made. And in particular, listen out for point number five, because if you do nothing else, you take uh, a note of what I say of point number five, it will save you hours, days of time and Quite a bit of money, probably, as well, if you don't mistake the make if you don't make the mistake that we made when I get to point number five. So, number one, the lesson that we learned was make sure you have a plan before you start. So, what is the structure that you want your website to have so that people can easily find? what they're looking for. And actually, we knew with the Make It British website that we had an issue with people not being able to find things because we have the live chat on our website. Then we have people coming onto the live chat saying, hey, I can't find what I'm looking for. So we knew there was an issue there. And we actually worked with someone who developed a usability, what do they call it? Like a UX per person, a usable, You. What is UX stand for? User experience person who came up with a more logical site map and structure for us and said to us, this is what you need to have in the menu on your website so that it's easier for people to find things on your site. And In hindsight, the things that we had before didn't always make sense. We'd had so many different things we'd played around with to help people find things on the site. And it was just really good to have someone with fresh eyes taking a look and say, look, this is how we think people will find things on your site. Try it like this. And the same with everything that happened on the homepage. We had All sorts of things going on the homepage. Every time we had an event, hey, let's just chuck it on the homepage. And they were like, no, stop, don't do that. Your homepage needs to be the place where people can quickly scroll down and look for um, exactly what they're looking for, what the main things that people are coming to your site to find. And in your case, I'm sure it's probably, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably either a brand that makes in the UK or you're a manufacturer who makes in the UK. So if you're a manufacturer, they're going to be looking for your services. So explaining, Quickly and easily, what it is that you do, and helping people find how they can then get in touch with you, or you're selling products. So, how do people find the products they actually want from you quickly and easily by going to your homepage and them also understanding? exactly what your brand is all about and seeing that instantly rather than having to dig around for that information. And when it comes to how people find things on your website, use the words that your customers use themselves. Don't try and be fancy and use uh, the words that you think are a little bit clever or a little bit different because people won't understand what it is you're talking about. It does seem obvious, but I have seen people do it as well. And you think, well, how the hell am I supposed to find what I'm looking for on this website? Um, And also once you've done any kind of restructuring of the way that people find things on your site, just keep looking to see what are the pages people are actually visiting. Are they the ones you want them to be visiting? So constantly checking. And I'm not saying that the site that we've built now with Make It British is any easier to find. We've tweaked it slightly. And we're going to watch and see whether people are finding the pages they're looking for. Because one of the problems we had with Make It British is that we've got two quite distinct customer types, as you may have as well. We've got the people that are looking to buy products that are made in the UK. And we've got the people that are looking to get a product made in the UK. Two very different types of people. One is kind of business to business and one is business to consumer and how... Did we divide that up and what language do they use? Like a person that's looking to buy something does not use the word consumer. They probably think of themselves more as shopping. Therefore, we've changed it to the word shopper. It's just still things like that. So if you particularly if you have got a couple of different types of people that come into your site, make sure both of them can identify with what they need. Right, that's enough on point one. Let me come to point two, which is create clear brand guidelines and continuously refer to them. So we have recoloured our site. So we had new colours that we were using, a new colour palette. And we also were using slightly different fonts to what we were doing before. There had to be a formula, which i.e. the guidelines that we were all following, because there's three of us on the Make It British team. And actually, we decided to do it in-house, the actual recoloring and redesigning of the site. And we wanted to make sure we were all following the same formula, especially as all three of us work remotely and we're all working on different pages and different bits of the site at the same time. And it was just silly things like making sure that the fonts were always the same size on different pages. So there was consistency across the board or that the margins were always the same on all of the pages. And this is the sort of thing where if you're paying an agency to do it, that's also what you should be checking is that they're following your guidelines. So if you're working with a web designer, whether you're working with a photographer even, have you got a look and feel to your site that is everything from... What fonts you're going to use, what colours, and also are the images that you've had taken, especially if you're using a photographer, going to be usable in the places where you need them on your website as well. So having clear brand guidelines, even if it's to tell a photographer, these are the dimensions I need for the images. I'm going to use on my website. So when they do the shoot, they make sure they provide you with the images that are the right width, the right height, so you can use them in all the right places. Because there's nothing worse, take it from experience, having to go back and doing a whole new photo shoot, because you haven't got images that are in the right place, particularly if you're going to use a big hero image on the homepage of your website. You've got to have everything placed just right if you're going to put text on top of it. A little bit of forward planning will save you a whole load of time and money in the long run. So that's number two, create clear brand guidelines. Number three is make sure your website works on all different size devices, particularly on mobile. So it's really easy to, particularly if you are working on your own website or if you've got a web developer doing it and you just view it on a computer, on a laptop or on a desktop and you see it in that um, landscape shape like it's wider than it is taller everything looks great and you sign it all off you think it's fine and then you go and look at it on your mobile or worse still your customer goes and looks at it on their mobile or their ipad in a what round another way that you weren't expecting them to do so before you put the website live just double-check it works in all the different permutations and sizes. Ask a friend to check as well if you haven't got an iPad, for instance, or a tablet-sized device. Ask people with different mobiles too. And make sure you know where what sort of devices your typical user and visitor to your site is actually using or they're going to use. Now, we were quite surprised because when we looked just before we redid the site, that now 60% of our visitors are coming on um, coming to the site on a mobile. Last time I'd looked, it was more like about 30. I have to admit it's not the sort of statistic I look at that often when I look in the analytics for the site. So I was like, wow, two-thirds, nearly two-thirds of the people coming to our site are looking at a mobile. So we have to make sure... It works well on a mobile. And that's all pages. That is the pages where someone needs to get in touch with you. That is where they, the page where they check out to buy a product. So make sure that you have checked that as well. Particularly, again, if you are working with someone who's building the site for you, don't just assume that they've done it. Make sure that you yourself has checked it. Before you sign it off with them so that when you go live, you don't look silly in front of your customers because they can't do what they need to do when they're on a mobile And again, I'm still not saying ours is perfect because we launched ours and then someone came back to us and said, I've now looked at it on an iPad in landscape mode. And did you know your menu's all over the place? And add that to the list of things to do. Still not fix that, but it was really good that someone came back and told us that. So we were aware of it because we hadn't even checked it on that size device. Number four, optimize your site for SEO. Now I'm not gonna get into the weeds on SEO here, but there are a few things that you can do yourself rather than using an agency to actually make sure that you at least do some of the work to optimize your new website for search engine optimization. So there's just simple things on each page, like making sure that you've got alt tags, which is the description for each of the image on your site. And they include the keywords, that you want people to find your business for, making sure that you have what's known, um, you've got a title and also what's known as a meta description for each one of your pages as well. And also that you have reduced the size of your images. So you're not uploading massive, huge megabyte size files as images to your website because that will slow it down And slow loading web pages is something that Google doesn't like when it comes to ranking a website in terms of how how good the user experience is. So just a few things that you can do just to make sure you've just done the bare minimum. So you're really just helping yourself when it comes to people finding your site in the search results. Title, meta description, alt tags for your images, and knowing what your keywords are for each page on your site. So particularly if you've got certain types of products, don't just put um, hat, Make sure you've got a description for that hat. Uh, you've got a you know, red bucket hat or something, because what is someone going to search for in Google? If you put hat, you're going to be up against all of the great big stores who are going after the word hat. As a small business, you're much better off going for a long, what's known as a long tail keyword, i.e. a much more descriptive word. But I said I wouldn't get into the weeds with SEO. I do find it a really fascinating topic and actually – it's been one of the things I put down to the success of Make It British over the last 10 years. From when I built the website, I was constantly thinking about what is the what are the keywords I want people to find Make It British for? And we get around 80% of our traffic to the Make It British website, from search engine um, traffic, from people organically looking for things and then finding our site. So maybe I will, if you're interested, I will treat you to a whole episode specifically on search engine optimization, some of the tools that we use at Make It British to help with that and just some things that you can do as a small business to help people find your site more easily. Because you, could, I think you can do posts on social media and yes, people might come through to your site from social media, but you've got to keep feeding the um, social media sites with content to continuously keep driving the traffic. Whereas work that you do on the search engine optimization of your site, you can do the work, it's done, and it will continue driving the traffic if you do it right. So it can actually be a lot less work for a lot more visitors to your site. And who doesn't like that? But anyway, we'll cover that another time because I've got two more points still to cover. And I told you that number five was gonna be the juicy one, which is, Make sure you have a backup before you do any work on your site. We learned this one the hard way because we have an existing site. we couldn't take it offline and uh, for a few days or weeks while we worked on it. Similarly, we were doing because we were doing um aesthetic changes to the site, we couldn't do half of it and not the other. So we couldn't work on it whilst it was live. So what we did is we asked our hosting company to create what is known as a staging site, which is an exact replica of our site, a snapshot in time, which we could then have on a different part of our server. I know this is getting a bit complicated. I was trying not to get too complicated with you, but the, hear me out. Move it to a different part of the server, do the work there, and then upload the new version and replace the old version with the new version, you wouldn't notice, you know, that was a swap over. But what happened was, whilst we were paying our server company to do two daily backups of the existing site, what they weren't doing is two daily backups of the staging site, and they didn't tell us. And we didn't think to ask them because we thought we were doing two daily backups of both the staging site and the live site. Long story short, a whole week's worth of work was lost when something got corrupted in the database. We asked them to reinstate a backup from previously that day and it turned out that they only had a version from a week ago. I mean, oh, it was just, that was just the worst. A lot of work, three people working on it consistently for a week, gone. So, if you do any work on your site or if someone else does, make sure that you've got a backup first and you're taking regular backups. In fact, if you've got any sort of website, which I'm sure you probably have, and you are not currently doing regular backups, and of course that depends on how often you're changing the content in your site, you can imagine the amount of time it might take you to load a whole catalog of products. And backups aren't being done. And you find that you've uploaded a whole lot of stuff and then you haven't got a saved version. Now, point to note here, I think if you are using a system such as Shopify, because it's on their servers rather than yours, I'm pretty sure that Shopify does the backups for you. But you might just want to check. Don't take my word for it. Get in touch with your website hosts or whoever runs your website right now and ask what's happening about backups because there's nothing worse is there than going back over work you've already done and having to do it again. So that was my tip there, make sure you have a backup. And then finally, test everything before you go live. Check that it works, check that links aren't broken, check that people can get in touch with you if you have some sort of contact form on your site, does it actually work? Check that people can actually sign up to your newsletter if you've got a form on your website for that. And most of all, check that people can actually pay you if you've got any sort of payment processing on your site for people to buy from you. Do the whole thing as if you were a customer visiting your site and just check it before it goes live. Because a lot of people think, yay, I've done it now, right? Push live oh dear, I didn't check it, oh no. And you've lost sales, you've lost inquiries, all sorts of things. Because people don't always get in touch with you to tell you when something goes wrong on your website. In fact, in most cases, they don't. They'll just bounce off and go elsewhere. So make sure you've tested it. Especially if you're using someone else to build it for you, don't sign it off and pay them until you've tested everything. Right, so they were my six tips for building a new website. I hope you found it helpful. I'm going to be back on topic next week when I'm going to be talking about manufacturing agreements. So make sure you listen into that. And don't forget to put the 9th of August in your diary for that first YouTube live. So thank you so much for listening. It's really good to be back. I'd almost forgot how to record a podcast. It was so long since I did the last episode, but we're back for a while now. And if you have found this episode useful, I would really appreciate it if you left a review in iTunes. It tells the podcast app that people are enjoying this podcast. So it starts pushing it out to more people that it thinks will also like it. So I hope you've enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening. Take care. Bye. you for listening to the make it british podcast i make an episode every friday plus there's bonus episodes occasionally many of the interviews that you hear on series four of this podcast are also available to watch on our youtube channel you can find it by going to youtube.com forward slash make it british ltd that's make it british with the letters ltd bye bye